Welcome, and thank you for viewing our weekly sermon. I'm Pastor Malone, and I pray this message be a blessing to you and help you grow closer to Jesus. If you'd like to know more about having a personal relationship with Jesus or to connect with us as a church, please visit westacres.org. Thanks again, and God bless. Well, amen. Thank you, Rob and praise team, choir, and uh, thank you so much for being here. I see so many uh, new faces with us this morning, and we just pray you feel at home today. Uh, at this time, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bible, if you haven't already. Uh, we're going to be in the book of First Samuel. First Samuel, and uh, if you're visiting with us today, our church has been in the book of Acts since January. And if you decide to come back after this Sunday, we'll be in the book of Acts. Uh, but we're going to take a special day uh, for this Mother's Day. And I want us to look at a godly woman in Scripture who provides us uh, the portrait of a godly mother. Her name is Hannah. But 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1, if you're able, stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. There was a certain man of Ramathim Zophim, of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkina, the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, and Ephrathite. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkina sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion, because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give to him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord. I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. 
Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate. Her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. She called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. The man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up. For she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him, so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, Oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed. And the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Let us pray. Father God, I pray you please speak to us through your word. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Your word is the power of salvation. Your word is what brings conviction. Because your word is perfect. It is inspired by your Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit be the preacher today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Your church you may be seated. Mother's Day. If you know the history of Mother's Day, it was first celebrated in 1907 at a church service held at Andrews Methodist Episcopal Church in Grafton, West Virginia. Try to say that real loud when you tell somebody where you go to church. The founder of this special day was a woman named Anna Jarvis. She advocated for this special day after the death of her mother, her beloved mother. And it was her continual efforts that led President Woodrow Wilson in 1917 to issue a proclamation designating the second Sunday in May a national holiday to honor mothers. So think about it, church. We've had Mother's Day for a little over one hundred years. A lot has changed in 100 years. We live in a different time. We live in a time when motherhood is constantly attacked and belittled. We live in a time when uh, children that are unwanted, we live in a time when children are unwanted, but those children that are unwanted can be legally murdered by a licensed physician. We live in a time when men want to be women and when women want to be men. We live in a time where the word mother is offensive in certain circles, where the new term preferred is birthing people. 
We live in a time where you can be appointed to the Supreme Court of the United States and you can't even define the word woman. That is the time we're living in. And folks, everything I just said it has pretty much been a reality in the last 365 days. I'm not even digging past a year. This is what's happening right now in our world. Sadly, this is what our culture is consumed with right now. But I've got some good news for you. We don't have to give in to this wicked nonsense. You don't have to give in to it. Because we have God's Word. And I don't care what's right right now. This is what's right forever. God's Word will stand true forever. Forever. Today I want us to look at a mother in Scripture. And I want us to see her godly example. Her name is Hannah. Hannah. And it's her story that gives us the portrait of a godly mother. Now, I won't be able to cover this text in great detail as we do normally on a Sunday morning going verse by verse. But I want to point out three virtues we see in the life of this godly woman named Hannah. Uh, the first virtue is this. She had a godly desire. She had godly desires. Hannah was married to the man named Elkinah. Elkinah loved Hannah. In fact, uh, many believe Hannah was indeed his first wife. But because she could not bear children... Her husband did what many men in that day did, just like Abraham and Sarah. He took another wife that could bear him children. Having multiple wives was never a part of God's plan. In fact, Scripture does not condone such practices. God's perfect plan for marriage, God's only plan for marriage, is between one man and one woman. Polygamy, listen, listen to this. This is, so, this is so what's going on in our world today with different issues. Polygamy was culturally accepted in this time. But just because something is culturally accepted does not make it right. And from our story today, we can see that Elkanah, he had a lot of trouble on his hands with this decision he made. It brought much strife to his home. We see that Penina treated Hannah cruelly. Now look at verses 6 through 7. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. This went on year by year. But I want you to notice what the text says. The Lord had closed Hannah's womb. Hannah's situation was not by chance. Hannah's situation was not just because of biology. Hannah's situation was not a divine punishment. But Hannah's situation was under God's divine control. It was under God's divine control. And we know that God had a big purpose for Hannah. He had big plans in mind for this woman. We're going to learn that later in the story. But Hannah was barren she desired to have a son. And folks, her desire was a godly desire. Desiring to have children is a godly desire. Let's look at Scripture, Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5. God's Word says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward 
like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. I remember when Kristen and I were expecting our first child. The Lord's blessed us with four, but I, I remember when we were expecting our first child. We were so excited. We, we were telling our friends, we were telling our family. But I even remember the day we told our small group at the church we were attending. This was like a Sunday school class. But I remember us, we were so excited to tell that news. I mean, it's good news. But I remember the reaction of our small group was somewhat discouraging. In fact, it was very discouraging. Uh, you, you would think that we had the cooties. You, you would think that, that we, we, we had a disease. We tested positive for pregnancy. In fact, I remember one young woman, I, I kid you not, she said, oh no. That was the reaction we had. Folks, we were newlyweds, but let me, let me just give you some truth here. That's what married people do. You get married, and the Lord blesses you with children. I know that's not the case for everybody, but that's God's natural order. If you ever want to sign up uh, for premarital counseling with me, I'm going to go ahead and give you one of the lessons I, I give. We talk about the wedding night. We talk about S-E-X. We talk about rearing children. And the, the way I teach it is the way many of you have already learned it in life. I sing a little song, and it goes like this. Jimmy and Susie sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes Jimmy with the baby carriage. That's the way it goes. Now, don't get me wrong. The church we attended was a good church. It was a good church. But this small group of young adults had been indoctrinated by a culture that views children as a burden rather than a blessing. Dear church, our world has got it wrong. Children are the greatest blessing in all the world. They are a gift from God. Whenever you hear someone's expecting, you should say, praise the Lord. God has favor upon you. I like what Adrian Rogers said. Children do not make rich people poor, but they make poor people rich. Desiring to have children is a godly desire. This was Hannah's desire. Folks, her desire was not selfish. She didn't want to just uh, get pregnant and have a baby just to win her husband's favor. Did you pay attention to the story today? She already had her husband's favor. She was the favored wife. He gave her a double portion. Moreover, she wasn't trying to, to outdo Penina. She wasn't trying to say, well, I'm going to outdo you and have more kids than you. No, she only prayed for one son. And why did she pray for that son? Because she wanted to raise that son and give him to the Lord. She had a godly desire. And before I move on, I must recognize that not everyone will have children. The Bible teaches that some are called to live a life of singleness. The Apostle Paul even says that it's a blessing. But also recognize that there are many married couples that struggle, that, that can't have children. And I want you to know this. You're not cursed. You're not being punished. But God has other plans for you. Perhaps God wants you to focus on other things. Or moreover, God wants you to perhaps adopt a child. Adoption is a beautiful thing. And where do we learn about adoption? 
we learn from our Heavenly Father Himself. For all of those who are found in Christ, who, who, who recognize Jesus as their Lord and Savior, we learn that God adopts us as His children. That's why I, what I love about heaven is this. When I die, I'm not just forgiven. I'm not just saved from hell. I don't just get to go to heaven. But God welcomes me in as a child. As a child, I don't have to, to live out in, in, in the trailer in the backyard of heaven. I get to live in the big house because I am a child. Adoption's a beautiful thing. It, too, is a godly desire. Hannah had a godly desire to be a mother, and because of her desire, we learned, number two, she was persistent in prayer. Hannah didn't get angry with God. I hear that, and I know people struggle with that. When, when you feel like you're going through a valley, when you're going through something where, where, where the outcome isn't what you want it to be, you, people get angry with God. But what do we see in Hannah's example? She didn't get angry with God. She prayed to God. Look at verses 10 through 11. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, and I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. Notice she didn't pray for children, plural. Uh, I, later on, we're going to learn the Lord does bless her with children, plural. But she prayed for a son. Uh, she prayed for a son. She prayed specifically that God would give her a son. And she made a vow. She vowed to give her son to the Lord all the days of his life. And I know you're probably saying, well, I prayed that same prayer. No, her prayer was a little different. She was praying, I'm going to give him to the service of the Lord at the tabernacle. She's going to serve. He is going to serve him all the days of his life. Notice Hannah's praying continually. We learn about this priest named Eli. Eli doesn't have a real good reputation in Scripture. He was a fat man, and he, he, was, a, he was not close to God. It says in the, in the text today, he was just sitting up on a stool, watching everything that's going on in the tabernacle. He's a lazy guy. But he's sitting here, and he thinks that Hannah is drunk. This goes to tell you a lot about Eli. He thinks this godly woman is drunk, but if you know anything about Eli, his sons were despicable. His sons were guilty of some of the most heinous sins. They served in the presence of the Lord, but they would, they would have inappropriate relationships with women right there at the doorsteps at the tabernacle. They were wicked. He was a priest, but he was not close to God. Look at verse 14 through 15. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I'm, I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. What did Hannah do when she was troubled? She prayed. She prayed. Now, what do people today do when they're troubled? I think they take the word of Eli. They have a drink. They have a drink. Let me tell you something, church. Drinking does not take your troubles away. In fact, it will only bring you more trouble. Here's some godly wisdom from this woman named Hannah. When faced with troubles, don't pour yourself a drink. Instead, pour your heart out in prayer. That's some wisdom. 
Thankfully, God answered Hannah's prayer. Look at verse 20. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. She called his name Samuel. For she said, I've asked for him from the Lord. Hannah's praying didn't stop when she had Samuel. Uh, Hannah's praying didn't stop when she found out she was pregnant. Hannah continually prayed. In fact, we have one of the most beautiful prayers recorded in chapter 2. And this is after the birth of Samuel. This is after she took Samuel to the tabernacle. She prayed just a beautiful prayer to the Lord. Interestingly, this is one of the longest prayers recorded in the Old Testament. I've also read this. This Hannah is the only woman in the Old Testament that is specifically said to pray. She was a woman of prayer. Parents, the greatest thing you can do for your kids is pray for them. You need to pray for your children. You need to pray over your children. You need to pray with your children. When your children grow up, when it's all said and done, I don't know if it's your funeral or what, you know what your kids should be able to say? I remember them praying over me. I remember my daddy praying over me. I remember my mama praying over me. You might not be able to leave a huge financial inheritance, but you can leave a godly inheritance. And it's as simple as getting on your knees. It's as simple as turning the TV off. It's as simple as saying, hey, we got too much stuff on our docket because we are too busy. We haven't been praying. You need to pray for your kids. I love the story of Jesus in the New Testament. He was a man of prayer. Out of all the people that we would think didn't need to pray, it would be Jesus. Because he was perfect, right? But it said he would wake up early in the morning while it was still dark. And he would go and get alone and pray. But what do we also know about Jesus? Who was hanging out with him for three and a half years? His disciples. His disciples. He had these 12 men that he did life with. They, I mean, they were doing everything together. They, they camped. I don't know what their, their sleeping arrangement was, but they were always together. And I can just picture John. I can picture Peter waking up and seeing the Lord walk off into a distance to pray. They witnessed his prayer life. And what do we know about the disciples seeing Jesus' prayer life? Finally, one day they went up to him and they said, Lord... Will you teach us to pray? We've never seen it done like this before. Will you teach us to pray? Parents, your kids should have the same example in you. They shouldn't only hear you saying, okay, pray like this. But they should be able to say, I, I, I've seen my parents pray so much in my life. How, how do I know how to pray? I've seen it done. I've seen it done. I, I didn't. I, it's a sad thing when someone grows up in a godly home and says, I don't know how to pray. Children should be able to see their parents, their fathers, their mothers as people of prayer. And they should be able to emulate that prayer life. Hannah was persistent in prayer. Then we see the third and final virtue. Number three, she was a promise keeper. Later on in this story, we see Hannah do something that would be unthinkable today. She takes a little boy, a little boy. It says she kept him till he was weaned. And I don't want to, I mean, the culture of this time, this took about three years to wean a child. I know in America, you're like, what? It takes three days to quit weaning, right? <laughs> um, but 
Three years is what the cultural norm was for weaning a child. And we see that in the text. She kept him till he was weaned. But then it says she took her little boy and gave him to the Lord for service at the tabernacle. And church, I want you to think about that three years. That three years. One, we know this, this was a hungry mama. Not hungry for food. She was hungry to have a baby. She was so yearning to have a child. The Lord blessed her with that child. But can you think about that three years that she had Samuel in her care? Every day was precious. Every day was a treasure. They say this, that time that Hannah was with Samuel, that three-year period, Samuel had formed 90% of his personality. 90% of a person's personality is formed from birth to the age of three. So what does that mean? Hannah had Samuel for the most important days of his life. She had him, and she trained him up in the way he should go. But after Samuel was weaned, we know this. Hannah kept her vow. She didn't back out. She didn't change her mind. In fact, her husband had the right to, to null the vow. This says a lot about Elkanah, that he honored the vow that was made between her and the Lord. Think of Elkanah. This was the son of his favored wife, but they kept their word. Hannah was a promise keeper. She kept her vow to her husband. She was in this messy situation but with this polygamy going on. I mean, talk about reasons for divorce. Hello, why am I divorcing? You just married another woman. Hello, But no, she kept her promise to the Lord. She stayed faithful to Elkanah. She also kept her vow to give Samuel to serve the Lord all the days of his life. Dear church, in the year 2023, keeping your promises is important. Keeping your word is important. Honoring your word is important. Our God is a God of honor and truth. He tells us to do the same thing. So I say this, husbands and wives, remember the promise you made when you made a vow before God in the marriage covenant. Remember it. It is a promise. Keep your promise. But I also say this, remember the vow, the promise you made when you decided to dedicate your child to the Lord. We had several families come before this altar today to dedicate their child to the Lord. Some of you in the years past dedicated your child in a similar way. Let me ask you this question. Have you kept your promise? Or is child dedication just a photo opportunity? Is it just a day to make grandma happy? Is it just a day, oh goodness, I got to go to Belk and get an outfit for this youngin'? I mean, what is this day all about? Tell me this. Tell me this. Families, if you've made a promise to raise your child in the fear of the Lord, keep your promise. And if you've gotten fizzled out, if you've gotten flat, I've used this illustration before. You ever drink a flat Coke? It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Has your parenting become that way? No, you want want to be that... Fresh, okay? So if you fizzled out, 
it's time to get the bubbles back, okay? It's time to get refreshed and say, listen, I remember making that promise before the Lord, dedicating my child to God and to raise him up in a godly home, and I just have not been doing that. I want to say today, you can go back to that promise. You can go back to it, and you can keep it. I don't care where you are in the journey. If you're a mama and you're a daddy, guess what? You're always mama, and you're always daddy. Dear parents, Keep your promises. Our world desperately needs godly parents. Our world desperately needs godly mothers. So in closing, I want to say this to all the mothers in the room. You have the most important job in all the world. I'm not just putting that on a Mother's Day card, okay? It's the truth. It's the truth. You have the most important job in all the world. Uh, people ask me from time to time, does your wife work? I'm like, yes, she works. She works her tail off. My wife's a stay-at-home mother. She has the most important job in all the world. It's been said this, the father is the head of the home. The mother is the heart of the home. Her care can't be matched. It can't be substituted. So mother's Never let anybody make you believe your job isn't important. And don't you dare let this culture think you are selling yourself short by devoting yourself to being a mother. Don't you dare. You are doing the thing that's going to last for all eternity. A mother not only raises a little boy and a girl, a mother is molding and shaping a man and a woman for all eternity. Hannah did this very thing. Hannah, think of this. Hannah changed a nation by being a godly mother. She prayed for a little boy. Guess what? That little boy would make a huge impact for her nation. She prayed for a little boy that would go on to be Israel's last judge. She prayed for the little boy that would go on to be a great prophet of the Lord. She prayed for a little boy that would go on to anoint the first kings of Israel. Samuel was a great man because he had a great mother. Never forget that. Let's pray. Father.